0: Father, I pray right now you would just literally, truly open our hearts to your truth that we would in our minds and in our hearts be totally committed to you and be yours. So please, God, please help this time, guide this time, empower this time. Make us aware of your presence. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, we are in the midst of... uh, literally calling for our church to be completely committed to God. Uh, Our elders got together and prayed and sought God, and God put that on our hearts, and we're seeing now more than ever the the reason why, the blessing of doing this. And uh, what it comes down to is Exodus 24-7. We're asking everybody to make a 24-7 commitment to God. To say, you know what, I'm going to be completely yours 24-7, no veering. We're going to do it for 24 months and beyond, seven days a week. We're just going to be completely committed to God. And in doing that, we will tune in to the Lord. In doing that, that will bring us all, each one of us individually and us as a church, into such an amazing relationship with Him that when He speaks to us, we'll know it's Him. It's about tuning into God. Now, all of this comes out of Exodus 24-7 that says this, All that the Lord has said we will do. Now, I want you to grab that all, not some. Every single thing God says we will do. And the word do is the Hebrew word asah. And it means to do it with all your might. Not halfway, not just go through the motions, that we would do it with everything we have. It says, and all that the Lord says we will do, and then we will understand. Now, when you start studying scripture, you realize something. You and I will never know the great life with God, the great truths of God, unless we do them. It's only in doing do we know. That's why Jesus in John 8, 31 and 32 said, uh, If you continue in my word, which means you can keep my word, you don't veer from it, then truly you are disciples of mine and you will know the truth. You'll experience the truth and the truth will set you free. Now, our desire is that we would be those kind of people. We'd commit to that. We wouldn't veer from that. So what we've done is we have come up with a plan. Uh, based on studying scripture, we thought as we as a church together would agree to do four things for two years, uh, and it's called ITEL, I-T-E-L. And the first is I, is that we would all commit to be intentionally intimate with God, that, that for the next two years, every single day, you would open God's word. Every single day, you would ask God to speak to you as you read his word. Some days you'll read a lot more, some less, but we won't miss a day in two years. And whenever God speaks, we'll jot it down. And so when you get this card, we've asked you to commit to that. And then you would say, I'm going to do that with God. And if you need help doing it, we've got a journal for you. Now, you don't have to use this, but this would give you an opportunity to get some help in doing that. But we would all commit to be with the Lord that way. And in doing that, we would tune into him more than ever. Chris Myers, who's one of our elders... He was, he was in. He wasn't going to hold back. But Chris said, I've never journaled before. He said, now since last spring, he's been journaling faithfully. He said, now I see why. Now I understand. Now I get, without that, how you don't tune into God correctly. And, and by the way, that's what you're going to find. So you need to jump in and do it. Again, you don't have to write a lot. Some of you could tweet your journal 140 characters. But the bottom line is, we'll all do this together for the next two years. Intentional intimacy with God. The T, I-T, T T is total surrender, that we're not going to hold back. We're totally surrendering to God. Now, how we do that is through time, talent, and treasure. And so literally saying, God, my time is yours. I'm committed to everything. You call me to do it, I'll do it. But I have a spiritual gift of talent, and I'll serve in the church. Now, I want you to welcome Bob today. Welcome, Bob. See, you may start serving here in a small way and it can lead to other things, but I'm asking you to get involved right away. Now, some of you might think, but what can I do? I've actually had a couple people going, I don't teach, I'm, I'm not musical, I, 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 kids are awesome, I just don't want to be around them. Uh, so is there a place for me? And the answer is yes. See, this is a paint cart that Bob has. And what you, we want to ask you to do is if you don't know where else to go, here's one option. There's, now, there's many others, but here's one. What you can do is get with Bob, and you'll take that paint cart, and throughout the week, you'll put graffiti all over Corona. Crossroad rules. You know, no, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. No, what it is, are you ready? We just need a, a few of you, quite a few of you. Get some friends together, family. You just come down here for like an hour a week, and we get the cart. And you just go around our facility and you just touch up paint. Now, anybody here could do that. You might say, well, what can I? Now, I want to tell you, you'll start there and then the other things will come from it once you start on the journey. But that's a way it, you can easily start. And you might say, is that going to make a big deal? Now, there's, there's quite a few of you who I know are going to agree with me that yes, it will. When you walk around and see scuff marks on the wall and, 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 and chips here and there, and all of a sudden every week we paint over those and make it look nice. Why, you know, this is God's facility, right? Isn't it dedicated to God? I think we should keep it nice. And, and you know what? Uh, you, you would have a blast doing that. And Bob would love to help you, wouldn't you, Bob? So afterwards you could talk to Bob. Welcome, Bob. So... And you just check on here. I'll do it. We'll help you get into a place. By the way, it could be working in children. It could be working in our student ministry. It could be working in the food bank and, and feeding people. By the way, it could be adopt-a-block. Uh, the, by the way, the I is, is intentional intimacy. The T is, is total Surrender. E has experienced more. It's kind of interesting. One of the women I was talking to, she already has jumped in. She said, All right, I checked off the E, experience more. I'm going to get it over with. You said you got it. Uh, twice I need to go outside my comfort zone. I'm just going to do it. She went down to Adopt a Block and, and she was shocked about how incredible it was. And for the first time in her life, she led someone to Christ. She led a young mom to the Lord. She wasn't even planning on it. And there she was standing there leading this woman to Christ who just desperately needed God. And she came back and said, Pastor Chuck, I had planned to go one time, but now that's not it. I'm not only going to go, I'm going to be a leader in Adopt-A-Block. I can't miss. And see, that's what happens when you choose to do that. So totally surrender using your talent. Get ready to experience more. And by the way, tithe. The first 10% of your money belongs to God. That's God's money. By the way, Rick Warren, do you know what he came and preached on yesterday? The reason you tithe. All of you guys were here. Didn't he hit tithing? Uh, and he said, if you aren't doing that, you're not committed. And he just hammered it home. I want you to watch the message. It's good. Matter of fact, he shared with us, Rick Warren now ties 91% of his income. I, I mean, I know that, you're, that is amazing, I think. By the way, he had committed to every year trying to raise his tithe, and before he ever had all this money come in from the book. He just had always, he'd just he already been at 25% by the time he wrote the book. And, and he said God just kept blessing. He was able to do it. Now, now, where I'm saying is, you know what? You need to commit your tithe and your offering to God. We'll get to that more in a minute. You need to choose to experience more. We're going to ask you to check on the card and do that. And then you need to commit to love like Jesus loves. The L, love like Jesus loves. Now, what does that mean? Whoever God has put in your life, we need to have you love them the way Jesus would love them. If you're married... Husbands, love your wife. For the next two years, you love her like she's never been loved before. Uh, Wives, you do that for your husband. If you need a tool, sign up for the Real Marriage Conference with Mark Driscoll. He'll be here. He wrote an amazingly good book that hasn't been released yet called Real Marriage is Awesome. And you know what? He's going to come and he's going to teach you how to have a better marriage, an amazing marriage. We'll help you with it. Here's the key if you haven't caught it. you catch. We're going to help us. We're going to all do this together for the next two years. And we're going to keep giving you tools. We're going to keep helping you to understand. We're going to make sure you can do it better and better and better. But what we cannot do, we cannot make the commitment for you. You've got to make the commitment for you. Now, I got to tell you, I am already incredibly excited because thousands of people here have actually made the commitment. As a matter of fact, 1,456 people have already made a commitment to do this. And, And I'm excited. And for all of you who have, and I, by the way, a bunch of you said today's the day you're turning in the car, which I hope almost everybody here does, praise God for you. Praise God that we're that kind of church. Praise God we're coming to do this. And, and, and here's the thing, that's allowed us to dream. That's allowed us to plan. That's allowed us to put word out to people. Because those 1,400 people have told us we can plan on making a, a, an intentional difference in lives with $9,494,003. And... Um, I didn't say this in the other services, than I should have. The $3 is from a 10-year-old girl who walked up. Her parents weren't expecting it, and she filled out the card and said, I'm in, Pastor Chuck. She's going to tithe three bucks. Isn't that cool? And uh, you know what? It's, 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 it's about doing this together and, and, and not being lukewarm. And so what we need to do is we need to be those kind of people. And when we make that kind of commitment, we're able to do things. We're able to make changes. We're able to see things happen. That's what God wants us to do. Now, I'm going to talk to you today about the reason you need to fill out this card and turn it in today. You should have already done it. You should have already thought of it. If you haven't done it yet, we need you to do it now, definitely before Sunday. And I know thousands of you have done it. But I want to say to anybody here who hasn't done it yet, you need to fill it out and you need to turn it in. Let me tell you some reasons why. Number one, this will help you. This will help you. Are you ready? Uh, This will. Everybody who studies behavioral modification and behavioral science will say this, that if you make a goal and write it down, you're more likely to fulfill it. If you make a goal and write it down, you're more likely to fulfill it. It will help you in your walk with God. So I'm going to ask you to do it because it'll help you. By the way, it will help us. How will it help us? Well, number one, we'll know who's actually committed here. We'll know who's getting ready to go forward. It helps us as leaders be more effective in helping people grow. But it also helps us empower people outside of us. By the way, because of the people who've already made a commitment, we have sent word to, to Kenya that, that we can have something happen. We showed a picture to you of a gate. And this gate is in Kenya. And on the other side of that gate, you see children. These, this just happened this summer. Those kids want to be loved. Those kids need hope. Those kids need care. But because we're already overly impacted, we've had to put up a gate to keep them out. Because of the 1,400 of you, we have sent word, the gate's coming down. The gate is coming down. Now, think about this. Now, think about this with me, just intellectually. When we know what we're going to do as a church, by the way, more, so much more than any one of us could do alone. When we come together as a church family, we can start sending word to to vital organizations that need our help. Now, now here's the thing you need to know. Very few of those things will happen overnight. Like when I say the gate's coming down, it's not just going to come down now. We've got to build all the support structure, plan the property, get the staff. It's going to take literally a few months to get that up and running. And every day we don't know if we're going to do it is a day we have to delay something that would change the life of a child. Or change the, the hope of a young girl who's been caught in sex slavery. Or change what's happening in an Islamic neighborhood that's opened the doors to us. Or change effective ministry here. Almost nothing. We just can't make the decision overnight. But if you let us know, if you let us know I, this is who we are, then we're able to make vital plans that will change lives. And we can do it more effectively, more efficiently, in a better, better time-honored manner. And so it helps us when you do that. So I want to thank all of you who have been in, all of you who have done it. But now I, I want to talk very honestly to those of you who aren't going to fill out the card. Because I want to tell you, I, I just don't get it. I don't get it. Now, I know there might be a few of you here saying, well, I don't know if I want to do that. Is it biblical? Is it biblical to ask us to fill out a card and sign it? You ready for the answer? Yes. It is clearly biblical it is right out of scripture and if you don't believe me turn to nehemiah nine i'm going to show you a verse you're no way to get around it it's exactly what it's saying i was with a friend of mine barry cameron and he said how's 24 7 going and i said phenomenal he said are you getting any pushback i said yeah some people are saying it's not biblical and barry's like what not biblical don't they know nehemiah and and, and that's what he was just in shock That we didn't know about Nehemiah. But but let me, before I read the verse to you, I want to give you the context of what's happened. Uh, The book of Nehemiah is about a group of people that felt God called them to go back into the land of Israel, where they had been dispossessed from, back to the city of Jerusalem to rebuild the city and eventually rebuild the temple. Nehemiah became the governor. Ezra became the lead priest and calling the people to come and do this. Now catch this, don't miss this. These people, this is Nehemiah, we're getting Nehemiah chapter 8. These people left a place of comfort to go and serve God, but when they got there, they realized their hearts were not completely devoted to Him. And and here's the key. That was not okay. They had made some steps for God, but they had not completely devoted themselves to God, and to them that was not okay. Let me ask you a question. Is it okay with you if you're not devoted to God? Would it be okay with you if this church was lukewarm? By the way, does everybody here want this church to be truly committed to God and on fire? Do you want that? So... So it's about a community of people that said, we're going to be committed to God. Then in Nehemiah chapter 8, what happens is all the people gather together, and it says that, that Ezra got up on a, and actually had a podium, and he started reading the law to them. But as he's reading the law to this group of people, they literally start, they start hearing people cry, and more people cry, and they're now crying hard. And they realize, you know why the people are crying? Because as they hear the law, they're saying, we haven't kept it. We are not doing the very things God wants us to do. And so they start crying. And Ezra and Nehemiah go, no, no, stop, stop. I mean, I know your hearts are right. Come on, this day is holy to the Lord. So don't mourn, don't weep. We want you to go and eat of the best, drink of the best. Bring people together and celebrate for the joy of the Lord is your strength because we are a committed people. Well, then they sent them out. And and then what happened is they were all studying. They came back and they said, do you realize we have not kept The Feast of the Booths, B-O-O-T-H-S, Booths. And and, and they said, that hasn't been kept since the days of Joshua. And God wants us to do it. By the way, are you ready for this quick uh, parenthesis? In the millennial kingdom, when Jesus comes, that's the only feast we know of we'll keep. God loves that feast. What do you do Is you come and camp out together? Matter of fact, I'm hoping next year we'll do that. Like a, a lot of us will just come for seven days and camp out on our property. It'll be cool. And uh, so, so what happens is you camp out together and you study God's word and pray and worship. And they said, we need to do that. So they all do. They all go get ready and they come together and they're celebrating and worshiping God. And then it comes to the seventh day, the final day. And, and Ezra gets up and he says, let me tell you what you've been learning. And he summarizes it starting in chapter nine, verse one. And he says this, that God, here's what the key is, God is faithful and God is gracious. That's what's repeated over and over. And so he starts with Abram. That Abram became Abraham because he went to the promised land and trusted in God and he got the promises of God. And and so when you do that, God's faithful. The children of Israel were in bondage in the land of Egypt and God sent Moses and called them out. He parted the Red Sea and protected them. He brought them to the promised land and they weren't blessed. Because they weren't completely faithful to God. Abraham got promises because he was. They were in the promised land and not getting the promises. How many people have made a commitment to Christ, but you're not getting the blessing because you're not really committed? See, and it says, and then they say, and then God punished them. And then God, because he's gracious, when they finally said, okay, God, forgive me, he forgave and he brought them back. And then God punished again. And then they finally got right again. And then they faded away and rebelled and didn't completely be faithful. And then God kept doing that. And then it says what happened in the end of Nehemiah 9. And the people said to God, God, we right now are in the land of promise, but we're not getting the promises. We're enslaved because of our sin, because we haven't been completely faithful. And now we are going to be completely faithful. Now we're going to do it. So a community of people gather together and say, you know what? We haven't been 100% right on what God, now we're going to be. And then we come to verse 38. And notice what verse 38 says. It says this. Look at it right here. If you have your Bibles, look at it there. If not, look at it here. Now because of all this, the, all of this is because they realized they need to be completely faithful to God. They said, now because of all this, we are making an agreement. Did you see those last two words? In what? in writing. Oh, they wrote it down. And notice what it says next. And on the sealed document are the names of our leaders, our Levites, and our priests. Now, now, real quickly, if you go, well, I'm not a priest or a Levite or a leader. The answer, by the way, if you're a Christian, you're a priest. First Peter chapter two says the minute you became a believer, you are part of a holy priesthood. So, right? So you can't say this doesn't apply to you. If you're a New Testament born again Christian, this applies to you. But are you ready for this? Are you ready for this? What it's saying there is they put it in writing and sealed it. Now the word seal doesn't mean they folded it up and hid it. The seal back then does everybody already know what a seal is? The seal was a waxed impression that was stamped to make it official. This is a binding contract. They're saying we are officially committed to God and it's opened up for all to see. We're gonna put it on display. Our names are written down. And in Nehemiah chapter 10, they start writing the names down and you see a list of names. And then in the middle of Nehemiah 10, it says, and everybody else got so excited, they ran and started signing it too. They ran and joined in. Are you ready for this? When a committed group of people gather together, it is biblical to write it down. It is biblical to put down your name. It is biblical to make this commitment. So if you ask, is it biblical? The answer is yes. And in their cases that was so biblical, their names have been published in the eternal word of God to be known. If you're a born-again Christian, it should be no issue to you that you would say, you mark this down and I'm a committed person. I'm going to do it. It's a biblical thing to do. By the way, it's not only biblical, it's cultural. Now, real quickly, you might go, well, what does that matter? What culture does matter. Uh, In the letter to the Corinthians, Paul says this. All of you Corinthian women, when you come together for worship, you cover your heads. Do not enter the worship area, the worship service with your heads uncovered. Now, by the way, look around. Do you see any heads covered? Now, why do we not teach that today? Why don't we tell you, hey, all the women come in. Here's why. Because it was cultural for their day. What it meant back then, if your head wasn't covered, it meant you were a prostitute. Today, that doesn't mean the same thing, right? You don't go, ooh, prostitute, prostitute. You know, we don't do that. Only a prostitute would uncover her head. So he said, don't go into the worship service and distract people by breaking culture. Now, there are times that we need to go by culture to make things better, to make things more appropriate, to to, to connect with God in a deeper way. Now, you ready? In our culture, it is a cultural way of showing commitment to sign your name. That's why some of you don't want to sign it. Because you know if you sign it, you're supposed to do it. By the way, you are supposed to do it because God's word says to do it. So you need to sign it anyway. But you already know, if I sign it, then I'm committed to doing it. And, and if I turn it in, more than ever, the church knows I made this commitment. Guess what? That's what we do in our culture. That's how we show commitment. We do it for lots of things. When you go to rent a car, anybody here ever rent a car? Don't they make you sign an agreement to rent the car? And do you ever look at them and go, I'm not signing that. It's not biblical. And they'll go, Nehemiah 9.38. Oh, okay. And uh, no, no, no. We sign it to rent a car. We make an agreement to take care of that car. You sign it when you join a gym, even if you never go again. <laughs> I want to ask a question. Is your spiritual life more or less important than a gym membership or a car rental? There's no doubt about it. And it carries significance in our culture. It is biblically something we should do it's biblical and it's cultural and we need this to happen it helps us as a church be a better family it helps the leaders in the church help you grow and so there's no doubt you ought to sign the card that you really need to make that commitment now i know there are some reasons people don't want to do that and i understand it so let's just talk about it uh the number one reason i'm hearing people are saying i don't know if i can sign the card is what i call pessimism it's the pessimism problem and it goes like this Chuck, I don't know if I can sign the card because I don't know if I could do this. I'm afraid if I sign the card and I don't do it, well, what does that mean? Well, you know, here's the thing. If you sign the card, you're going to be in the Word every day and you miss a day. What do you do? You just start back again. You know, we're not going to call you up and go, ooh, we heard you missed a day. We're publishing your name. It'll be flashing on the screen. You're the only one of 6,000 that missed a day. That's not what this is about. It's about making a commitment to be intimate with God. I hope you don't miss a day. I hope you don't miss a day. But I want to tell you, if you get to me and you say, I don't know if I could commit to two years. Do you know what I'm going to tell you? Then commit to four years. Whoa, four years. Okay, commit to seven. You know, I'm not going to, I'm serious about this. When, when you go, oh, I can't do it. I'm telling you, if two years is too hard, then commit to four. If four years is not, a, commit to seven. Some of you ought to mark out the two years and say, for the rest of my life, I'm not missing a day. That's what you ought to say. You know, if it seems hard, guess what? You have been made by Jesus Christ to be more than a conqueror. Did you know that? Romans chapter 8, verse 37 says, but in all these things, we overwhelmingly conquer through him who loved us. You know what? In all these things, in everything in life, you can do these by the power of God. This isn't that hard, and everything on here is biblical, so check off every box and sign the card. And if you say, well, I don't know if I can tithe 10%, then tithe 12%. I don't know if I can do 12%, then do 25%. Be Rick Warren, 91 I don't know but write a best-selling book first. Um, But you know what? You could do this. 2 Corinthians uh, 2.14 says, but thanks be to God who always leads us in triumph in Christ. Did you catch that? God doesn't lead you in failure. He leads you in triumph. And what you need to do is say, I see some of these things as difficult. By the way, I've said it before. I'll say it again. Whatever seems the hardest for you to do is what you need the most. That's the one you ought to check first. That's the one you might want to check and circle and say, pray for me. Because you know what? I'm going to do it, but I need help in that. And by the way, we'll want to help you. Philippians 4.13, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. We need to grab. We're not a failure-oriented people. We're not to be a pessimistic people. As a matter of fact, wouldn't you agree that we're supposed to be a people of faith and faithfulness? Yeah, and we don't get negative. We don't get down. We don't believe we can't win. We know God can take it and do it with us and through us. So we need to do that. In Matthew chapter 17, Jesus is talking with the apostles And they've just suffered a devastating defeat. They could not cast a demon out of a young boy. And they're like, Lord, why not? Why not? And he said this to them. He said, because of the littleness, verse 20, because of the littleness of your faith, for truly I say to you, if you have faith the size of a mustard seed, you will say to this mountain, move from here to there and it will move. Now catch the next line. And nothing will be impossible to you. It's not impossible to do this. Nothing's impossible. So don't be negative. Don't be pessimistic. Don't think I can't do it. So if that's the pessimism issue, I'm going to tell you, fill out the card and turn it in. Make the commitment and, and go for it. How about the next issue? The pride issue. There, there, there I'm going to know. I, I actually have had some people. I'll be honest on this one. Almost no one with pride has come to me directly, but I've had other pastors come and go, just had a tough talk. And the good news, our pastors aren't buckling. And what I hear are pretty prideful statements. You know, God hates pride. God loves humility. God loves it when we're humble. And uh, I've heard people have supposedly said, I don't need to do this. Oh, yes, you do. You need God's word. You need to use your gift. You need to love like Jesus loved. You need to be someone who doesn't rob God. You need this. And when you say, I don't need it, you're saying you're smarter than the Bible. That's pride. Or how about this one? I don't see why. I don't think we could have explained it any better. I really don't. I don't think we could. There's, I mean, we have tried to give you the biblical and show you and help you. Um, how about this one? I don't want anyone telling me what to do. Really. That's an interesting one because that's not a, a Christian thought. It might be an American thought. I had a young guy one time tell me, man, I'm so sick of my mom and dad telling me what to do. I said, what are you going to do? He said, I'm joining the Marines. (laughs) Yeah, that'll work. (laughs) What does the Bible say about that? Listen to Hebrews 13, 17. Hebrews 13, 17. Obey your leaders and submit to them. Now, I'm going to read all of it in a minute, but we fasted and prayed for 40 days. We sought God together and felt God leading us in this direction. And what we're saying is this is what the leaders of the church had God tell them. And I believe with all my heart God told us. I, I, I have never been more convinced. And it says uh, you need to do this because this is something we can do together as a family to grow. Obey your leaders and submit to them for they keep watch over your souls as those who will give an account. Now I'm going to read on in a minute too. But I, I'm really, you know, I've shared this before but let me say it again. I really mean this. I know I'm going to stand before God one day and he's going to look at me and say, did you preach the truth at Crossroads? Did you lead faithfully? Did you you care for your people? Did you challenge them? Did you call for commitment? God's... God's big on that. When you read Revelation 2 and 3, you don't miss Jesus saying, you've got to be people of the first love. You've got to be people who are not sexually immoral. You've got to be people who don't just have the name Christian and be dead. You've got to be alive. You can't be lukewarm. God doesn't want that. And if I, I don't try to help challenge and lead in a different direction, I'm going to stand before God because he loves you too much to allow me to be here and not do that. Do you, I, real quickly, many of you were around We did level 4. Remember level four, the idea that when you hit a level four commitment to God, what happens is you you say, God, it's not my will be done. It's your will be done. Let your kingdom come on earth as it is in heaven. And we say, God, everything's you. Well, you know, I got to tell you, uh, that was an awesome time together as a church. And, and people cheered for it. And, and more people listened online to those messages than almost any other. And I got cards and letters. And this church didn't change. What is the difference between 24-7 and level 4? You know what the difference is? We're not going to allow that to happen again. We're not going to let you just come sit here and walk out the door. And we're saying, let's be the church. Let's really do this. And so I'm going to ask you to make the commitment. I'm going to ask you to be a part. And notice what it says this in the end of the verse. Let them do this with joy and not with grief. For this would be unprofitable for you. If you choose to rebel, you choose to go your own direction. You know what? We can't stop you. We're not being legalistic. We're not going to chase you down and beat on your house and call you. We're going to be grieved for you because we know how much better your life could be. You see, what we're calling you to isn't to be in bondage. We're calling you to be blessed. Have you caught that? This isn't about hurting you. This is about you experiencing more. And here's the thing. I want you to be blessed. And when you and I do these things, you will find the blessing of God like you can't imagine. As a matter of fact, not just the blessing of God, more blessing from God. Let me give you an example. If on this stage there was a door here that said uh, blessing, the door of blessing. And if you go through that, you're going to get blessed. But over here is the door of more blessing. And Jesus said, which door do you want? Do you want to be blessed by me or more blessed by me? I don't know about you. I choose more blessed. Anybody else here, we choose more blessed? Now, now, but before you catch this, Acts 20, 35, it is more blessed to give than receive. And interesting, everybody knows that verse. Is it more blessed to give than receive? Oh, it is, it is. And so, you know what? Here's the question. By the way, when you tithe, when you tithe the first 10%, that's God's money. If you take even a percent of that, you're robbing God, the Bible says. If you tithe, you go through the door of blessing. But if you give the tithe and the offering, which is an offering beyond, you go through the door of more blessing. By the way, the Bible also says you can give a tithe, an offering, and a contribution. And you get more blessed. And then you could give the tithe, the offering, the contribution, and the vow gift and get even more blessed. And some of you are going, that's a lot of giving. And I'm telling you, that's a lot of blessing. You know, you could get blessed over there. And you could have that happen. Now, here's the thing. You could come to church and get blessed. Or you could come to church and serve, and guess what? Get more blessed by giving of yourself and your energy. See, think about that. You know, and and if you say, well, I don't know where I'll serve. You know, if you come, we'll help you plug in. And by the way, if you go, well, I don't have any extra time to give. You could be an usher in the service you're serving in and kill, you know, the two birds with one stone kind of thing. There really isn't any reason not to be blessed. But if you come and you begin to give of yourself, you'll be more blessed. Um, the other day, we uh, actually it was Friday, Friday, uh, Pam and I, my wife Pam and I, took Casey Butler down to Saddleback. Uh, there's some things happening in Casey's life. We wanted to help her, her, her chart her path. The, the top leaders at Saddleback were more than willing to talk with her and share with her and pour into her. And so we we're going to go down there, and, man, what a, we we're so excited about it. Well, on the way down, I said, hey, if we're going to do this, let's celebrate and grab lunch. So we went out and had lunch at a really cool restaurant, and, and then we're eating together and having a blast and sharing together. And i got to tell you, I was blessed by that. But if I wanted to be more blessed, you know what I should have done? I should have fasted before. I'm not talking about starving. A biblical fast. Because when you fast biblically, everything tastes better. Did you know that? I'm not kidding. All of a sudden, every meal... Is, is a celebration. And so what happens is I could have gone and enjoyed that food more. But not only that, I would have enjoyed the fellowship more. Because when you fast, it puts you in such and with God, you tune into God, that what happens in that moment is we would have even had more of, of a time together and bonding. You see, when I fast and give myself to God that way, I get more blessed. When I tithe and give an offering, I get more blessed. When I come to church to serve and not just be served, by the way, one of the worst phrases I ever heard is walk up going, I don't know if I want to come to a church where I'm not fed. Well, you know what I'd say? Start feeding yourself and come here and serve others. You know, that's what we need to do. And if you want more blessing and I want more blessing, we've got to be completely committed to the Lord. That's what God wants for us. That's his great desire for us. So what I'm saying is, if you fill this out, and, and, I, and, not just, and we want you to mean it, And it's hard, you know, praise God because we're about to do something with you to get you there. And the best thing is when we come and do this together and we come and tune into God together and we come in and and get right with him. See, here's the thing. When I am intentionally intimate and totally surrendered and experiencing more and loving like Jesus loved, what did we talk about last week? Then I tune into God. And that could be a huge thing at times. I mean, it could be like earth shaking at times or it could be a small thing. For my friend Mark last week, It was earth shaking. Um, Mark uh, is not a part of our Crossroads family, but he's an I-T-E-L guy to the hilt. He is the most, one of the most committed Christian guys I know. And uh, he showed up to church last Sunday on the week I'm talking about hearing the voice of God, not knowing that's what I'd speak on. And he comes up to me right over here and he goes, hey, I just came for two reasons. One, I just got to tell you, I love you and I miss you. And so we hugged and You know, it was really a a cool time. And then he said, do you have a second? I want to tell you what happened to me this week. I said, I feel like I got to tell you this. Well, I'm like, oh, I'm hearing this on last week's sermon day. What happened is Mark had some things happen in his life that were heartbreaking. And, And I mean to like being kicked in the gut heartbreaking, like his life started to feel like it was going to fall apart. So he's sitting in his house thinking he can't stand it. He thought, I've just got to get outside. And he starts to just walk to the grocery store to grab a few things. It's about a mile away. And he thought, maybe I'll feel better. But the more he walked, the more devastated he felt. By the time he makes the grocery store, he's crying. He's literally crying and thinking, God, I don't know what to do. I don't know how to handle this. I I just feel like I'm not going to make it. I don't have the strength to go on. And then he was so emotional, he thought, I can't go in the store. So he turns around, and he starts to walk home. And as he's walking home, He literally got to the place where he just said, God, where are you? How? I love you. I serve you. Where are you in this? And, I mean, he was just literally thought, I can't, I don't know. And then he said, I can't go on. I can't, I have to give up. I can't, I'm so tired. I I don't know what I'm going to do. And he looked at a place on the curb and he said, God, I am just going to sit down here and I'm going to cry my eyes out. And then he got a voice. And the voice said, no you keep walking, a man of God keeps walking. And he thought, oh. And then he said, a weird thing, his knees started hurting so bad he didn't know if he could walk. And he said, God, I, I think that's you, but I can't. I'm gonna sit down. And then the Lord spoke again and said, no, you keep walking. A man of God keeps walking. And he, and he one more time said, Lord, I really don't think I can take another step. And God told him to keep going. He said he knew it was the Lord, He's hurting, he's crying, he starts walking. He's got about 30 feet away. He hears this loud screeching sound and a car comes out of control and goes right over the spot he would have been sitting. And he looked back and he said, God, that was you. And he said the most amazing thing in that moment, none of the problems mattered. When God did something like that, it's like, who cares? I'm alive. I've got my daughter. I've got, you know, it's like, a whole, and he said that. And now here's the key. When we talk about doing the I-T-E-L, you know what we're talking about? Tuning into the voice of God. Not having a religion, but having a true relationship. With intentional intimacy. Surrendering yourself to God and letting go and saying, take me. Uh, uh, letting God use you and direct you, experiencing more with God and, and then just loving like Jesus loved. And when you and I do that, guess what? Life becomes amazing. You may have moments where he rescues you like that and maybe just moments where he speaks in your heart or, or moves things around, but I'm gonna tell you it's gonna happen. One of the joys I have about these cards are this. You ready? We've had a lot of people, and when I say a lot, a lot, show up at the office and say, oh, I need to turn in a new card. And we're like, well, okay, why? And they go, because since we've been doing this, everything's changed. We're going to have to up it. God just started blessing. And um, what I'm telling you is God blesses. Do you realize God looks at you and loves you and wants you to have amazing, incredible life? That's what God wants for you. And there's not anything we're asking in this that that would hinder you or hurt you. It will all help you. And it'll help you as this child. You see, I I want to have you just kind of wrestle us through in a moment. Are you ready to say no lukewarm? Are you ready to say I'm going to be completely committed? By the way, for some of you right now, that may be hard. Well, then that makes it more precious and more beautiful. Just be completely committed. And today I'm going to ask you to make the commitment to do that. If you're here today and you're not a, a person who's a Christian, who's given their life to Jesus Christ, I want to tell you something. The greatest life you could live is when you would say yes to him. But this would be a great day to do it. This would be a great day. On a day when you heard it's a total commitment, I'm going to say what a wonderful time for you to say, then I, I'm doing it. I'm going to come and live with him and for him. He loves you. He had, Jeremiah 29, 11 says... God says, for I know the plans I have for you, plans of good and not of evil to give you a future and hope. And then the Lord says, but then you're going to call to me and I'm going to answer you and you're going to seek me and find me when you search for me with all your heart, not some of your heart, all. And if you're here today and you've never met God, you've never, you've never come into a very real relationship with him. Man, while we're praying today, I'm going to ask you in a moment just to pray a prayer where you tell him yes and you say yes to God. And then after that, we're going to ask you to make a A public commitment, and and I'll share why in a moment. By the way, I'm going to say this please, from this point on, please, unless you're coming forward, don't leave. Let's just make this time about Him. Let's do not be a distraction. Let's pray. Let's focus. Today, if you're a Christian and uh, you need to recommit your life to Christ, you know you haven't been living the kind of life He wants you to 100%, I'm going to ask you to make the commitment. I'm going to ask you right where we're sitting there, say, okay, God, that's it. No more holding back. I'm going to be completely yours. And just tell him. And in a moment, we'll pray that prayer together and we'll just let God begin to do amazing things in your heart and life. So let's pray together. Father, I pray and I ask that that you would be with our Crossroads family, that we would be a community of believers like in Nehemiah's day, who came together and said, Lord, whatever you want us to do, we'll do. If it's feast, the booze we will go feast. And if we need to write down our name, we will because we're those who are unashamed in saying we're committed to you. We're those who want our names published that we're yours completely. We're those who want to be sure that we would state categorically without any equivocation that God, we're committed and we want to be faithful. But we need your help. So God, I pray that's who this church is. And I pray, oh God, I pray right now that your Holy Spirit would start touching the lives Touching hearts, touching people who are here today that need to give their life to you or need to recommit their life to you. And I pray right now that they would. I pray right now, God, that they would sense your touch. They would want to say yes. And maybe someone's sitting here right now and they're they're amazed at how they're beginning to feel and they know this is their moment. And they know they need to, to... They're not sure what to do, but they know they need to. Father, I think there's a a person sitting here today and they've known for a long time it's time to say yes, but there's something going on in their life that they've been trying to get rid of, trying to stop. And they were trying to stop it before they committed to you. But today, today they're realizing the way to stop it is to say yes to you now and then just go for it. And God, I pray they would. And Lord, if a person's sitting here today who's just hurting and just living life has seemed so hard, I pray they would understand that by literally surrendering to you now, that that's the answer. The answer isn't just to try to make it or survive. It's to let you help them thrive. And I pray you touch them now. So God, I pray you would touch anybody today who needs to say yes to you or recommit. I'm gonna ask that we keep praying and I'm gonna ask right now, for you just to take a minute to think. Is God calling you? Or do you want this? Is this your moment to be truly his? Just think about it. And if you're ready, I'm gonna ask you to pray a prayer with me where you tell him yes. So right now, I'm hoping a lot of you do, that you say yes to God. So if you want to, If you sense him calling you to, if you just desire this, say say this prayer with me. Say, Lord Jesus, I know you love me, and I know you died on the cross so that my sins would be forgiven, so my hurts would be healed, so I'd be freed from fear and freed from the past, and so that I would be completely yours. And I say, yes, 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 yes. I want you. I want your love. I ask that you take me now. And I ask that you fill me with the spirit and help me be yours completely. Because here I am. Lord, I can't wait to see what you have for me. Because I'm yours. In Jesus' name, amen.